Vinashulakaya Chakshuran Militang Yenatus, my Sri Gurave Namaha Mukankaroti Bachalam Pangum Laghayate Girim Jatkrapa Tamaham Bande, Sri Gurundina Taranam Sri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitang Yenaputale Swayam Rupakadama Hyundadati Swapadantikam Bancha kalpa tarubhyas chakrapasandhobhya evacha Patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namah <clears throat> So it's Tuesday morning again. And so we have an opportunity to take a look at uh, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, chapter 5. I remember at the beginning of the month, I was celebrating that we had five weeks and I blew one of those weeks. So that's um, coming us up a little bit because today I, I may only really cover a couple of verses because there's just so much there that's so um, important that I, I, I think that these two verses, um, texts 14 and 15 um, need to be examined and discussed uh, threadbare uh, to the extent that it's, that it's possible, to the extent that I'm able anyway. Um, and so I'm going to rely a lot on the sources that, well, first of all, Tripurari Maharaj's commentaries and Srila Prabhupada's uh, purports, um, but also on the texts um, to which uh, they refer, which either that they cite directly or, or refer to uh, obliquely in, um, in their commentaries. So um, uh, we, we may not get past this. So I'll take, well, let's take a look at the two verses first. Um, so text 14. In text 14, Krishna says, Nakartra trang nakarmani lokasya srutati prabhu, nakarma palasam yogam swabhavas tu pravartate. The Lord creates neither a person's agency of action nor his actions nor the result. All this is done by a person's conditioned nature. And text 15. The omniscient Godhead does not accept responsibility for anyone's good or evil deeds. Beings are deluded because their knowledge is covered by ignorance. We can take a look at Srila Prabhupada's translations of these two verses too. Um, We, um, there's, there's a word uh, in 14 that, um, that's rever referred to in, um, well, it's referred to elsewhere, um, but Srila Prabhupada uh, includes that in his, um, in his translation of 14. So 14, the embodied spirit 
the master of the city of his body does not create activities, nor does he induce people to act, nor does he create the fruits of action. All this is enacted by the modes of material nature. So it's uh, the, it, 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 the uh, emphasis um, is a little uh, different. Um, in 14, and then in 15, 15 is quite uh, clear. Nor does the Supreme, assume, Supreme Spirit assume anyone's sinful or pious activities. Embodied beings, however, are bewildered because of the ignorance which covers their real knowledge. So this is um, kind of the essential point. Uh, the reason I wanna spend a little time with these two verses is because I think um, that we find here an important element um, of Sambandha Gyan. Um, there are three, as most of us are aware, there are three uh, broad uh, categories um, of uh, knowledge um, that help us uh, progress uh, in our spiritual life. Uh, Sambandha Gyan, Abhideya Gyan, and, um, and prayojana, gyan, prayojana tattva. So sambandha gyan means to understand the nature um, of ourselves, the nature of the atma, the jiva, um, the nature of the paramatma or overdweller, uh, not just the paramatma, but also Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, um, and the nature of our relationship with the Supreme Lord. So I, I see this as a, a big focus um, in these uh, two, uh, two verses. Um, in his commentary, uh, Tripurari Maharaj points out that the word Prabhu in this verse can be interpreted either to mean uh, the Lord or the individual self. And we see, kind of see that in Srila Prabhupada's translation of 14. Um, it says the embodied spirit, the master of the city of his body. So in this sense, the, um, the, the jiva, the atma, although anu becomes prabhu uh, because we have some uh, dominion. Um, we have uh, the dominion over this um, city of nine gates that, uh, that we call um, our body. Quite limited. It's the, that uh, 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 dominion is quite limited. Um, just speaking on a, a verse in the second chapter yesterday evening. And um, Srila Prabhupada points out that um, our knowledge, our, uh, our, our understanding, See if I can find the verse. Oh, he, he's talking about the limited side. This is the uh, uh, chapter two, text 17. Know that which pervades the entire body is indestructible. No one's able to destroy the imperishable soul. And we see that the individual living entity is able to understand what's going on in his or her body but we don't really know uh, the sufferings 
and enjoyments of someone else. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I'm afflicted from time to time with migraine, um, some to the extent that it can be debil debilitating. It's invisible. No one else knows what's going on. No one else knows um, you know, what um, the body of a migrainer is being um, subject, subjected to. Um, so sometimes, uh, you know, just have to withdraw from the world um, so that I don't, um, so that it doesn't become contagious because the uh, different miseries that are associated with, uh, with migraine disorder um, can be uh, debilitating and can make one cranky. So I try, um, I've tried for the, God, what it's been 35 years or more going on 40 years now that I've had it to not be, um, you know, to try to not make it, uh, let it become uh, contagious, uh, that my crankiness would make anyone else uncomfortable. So no one else knows what's going on. I, I certainly know what's going on in my body, but if someone else has, say, uh, a pain in their hip due to arthritis, old people know about this. I don't think we have anybody here who's in that range yet, um, other than myself. And um, we see, oh, an older person walks a little funny. Well, now I know why they walk a little funny because they've got some stiffness in their hip. So, uh, but no one else can really, um, you know, may, may not be able to understand that. Young people who are in really good shape don't, uh, don't have any arthritis yet. They may not know that. So we're able to understand what's going on in our bodies. And we can understand only by projection, really, um, only by, um, ideally, by empathy, um, what's going on in someone else's. But we don't know specifically what, um, what they're going through. So we're, because, and that's because we're honored. And because we're honored, as we see in verse 15, um, we're uh, deluded. We become, uh, we live um, a, a life of delusion due to our ignorance. And so in his commentary, uh, Triparari Maharaj cites uh, the Tattva Sandarbha, the Paramatma Sandarbha, as well as the Vedanta Sutra. And um, Srila Prabhupada also, um, uh, also cites the Vedanta Sutra, uh, Vedanta Sutra at the end of his purport to 15. And it may be, it's a very long section, so. Uh, it may not be the same section. It's a very, very long section. Um, but um, this is, anyway, this is a really important point. So we see that the Lord creates neither a person's agency of action, nor the actions, nor the result um, in text 14. So what does that mean? One of the qualities of the Atma, according to Paramatma Sandarbha, is that the Atma is consciousness, but not just consciousness. Um, 
but we um, actually have, um, and this is in the section that, uh, to which uh, Trooper Aymaras refers in his uh, commentary on text 15. Uh, Anucheta 22, section 22, the jiva is not mere consciousness. So I thought I would just read this, um, and I would just read this Anucheta uh, as it is, um, so that we actually hear uh, what Maharaj is talking about. So this is Anucheta 22, section 22 of the Paramatma Sandarbha. It was said earlier by Jamatramuni, the Atma is not mere consciousness. Um, what exactly does this mean? It means that even while being purely of the nature of consciousness, the jiva has the capacity to know, just as light, which is itself luminous, also has the power to illuminate other objects. This was demonstrated by the following verse quoted in the Tattva Sandarbha. And this is a Bhagavatam verse. This is one of the Navyogendras speaking. Because it is the witness of variable states, and this is an important part of understanding how the Atma is not just consciousness, but um, we also have the capacity to be aware, aware of other things and also um, aware of, of ourselves. Um, and, and so therefore we're called the witness or the seer. We see the same thing in the Vedanta Sutras, beginning of the Vedanta Sutras. The, first, uh, the second sutra, the first sutra is, now we're gonna talk about yoga. The second sutra is yoga shchitivriti nirodha. Uh, yoga means stilling the um, ag agitations uh, of the psychic body, the subtle body. Chittavritti nirodha. Um, and the third sutra is, having done so, the seer is able to live in, in its own um, situation. We're able to actually act as consciousness. If we actually understand who we are, then we can behave accordingly. So if we understand that we're consciousness, that, kind, that same consciousness that's described in the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita um, as, well, as antimatter in a sense, uh, at least non-matter. Uh, matter is jada and, and the, um, the atma is chaitya, it's, it's aware, uh, whereas uh, matter is uh, inert, it's dead, it doesn't have um, a life um, of its own. Uh, my, uh, this computer requires me uh, to make it do the thing, all the wonderful things that it can do. Uh, Things when I when I you know when I say wonderful things, some some of us grew up um, with powerful computers easily accessible. Um, when I was young, <clears throat> uh, my dad was really into a lot of things. He was a self-taught in, in in many ways. He had some good education here and there. Um, but he was self-taught in, in, in many ways. And he was into, um, gosh, anything electronic. He was into electronic gadgets. My dad was in comp into computers 
um, in the early 60s. He worked with them actually in, in his work. And um, I sometimes got to just fiddle around with him. I don't remember what I actually was able to do on the computer that he had at work. Um, but it was kind of a big honking thing and it was probably about as sophisticated as um, most people's pocket calculators nowadays. Nowadays, Well, people don't even have pocket calculators anymore. We have a pocket calculator on our app on our phone. So, um, you know, I, you know I, I kind of grew up with these things. I knew that they could do all kinds of interesting things. Um, I did not know uh, the kinds of things, you know, that we would discover the kinds of things that we have over the, say, the last 30, um, especially 30, 40 years, especially. Um, I think I was introduced to personal computers in the mid eighties, um, like Commodore 64s and Radio Shack color computer 64s. These are uh, computers with 64 kilobyte uh, RAMs. Um, and they could do cool things. You, you, know, you could play video games on it, you could do word processing. I really got into the computer um, only because of word processing. It was easier for me than, than typing with paper, uh, especially being the lousy typist I was. So, but some of us have grown up with, uh, with these computers and we take for granted, we may, we may take for granted the fact that we can have Zoom meetings like this, that we can get on Facebook, that we can access, um, we can access um, information um, about almost anything from just about anywhere in the world. Some of it misinformation, some of it disinformation, but some kind of information anyway. Not to mention walking around with a, a device in our pocket or our purse on which we could watch television shows or movies or have face-to-face -face, uh, conversations with someone um, halfway around the world uh, just by uh, tapping on an, on an icon. These things are uh, quite wonderful to someone my age. These are quite amazing things. Although my grandchildren are growing up taking them for granted. I remember uh, visiting my daughter, younger daughter when her older son was one, between one and a half and two. The kid was really into trains at the time. And all Lolly had to do uh, uh, if she needed to do some cleaning or needed to use the bathroom or something was put on train videos They're just videos of trains going down tracks and he would be transfixed however he showed me that he knew how to operate lolly's ipad he uh, picked it up came over sat on my lap opened it up uh, punched in her code uh, he didn't couldn't read of course he was not even two years old but he could see patterns so he was able to punch in the code he was able to find the youtube app uh, on the ipad and then find his uh, train videos um, so people grow up with these things and they think they're they think they're quite wonderful but uh, anyway so we're the witness that's the point i was wanted to make uh, and that's what is being made here in this bhagavatam verse because it is the witness of the variable states childhood youth and so on of the transient material body this atma is without birth, growth, decay, or death. So these are um, characteristic of the presence of consciousness in the material world. But <clears throat> consciousness doesn't undergo birth, growth, 
maintenance, death, dwindling, and you know, old age, dwindling, and death. Um, although the Atma is exclusively of the nature of consciousness present everywhere, eternal and invariable, it appears to assume various forms under the influence of sense perception and cognition, just as the vital force prana within the body, although one, appears as if many in contact with the various senses. And Jiva Goswami continues, it is perfectly clear from the above that the self has such power of knowing because the verse says that although the Atma is exclusively, exclusively of the nature of consciousness, it is a knower or witness of the variable states of the transient material body. Therefore, it was said, the knower of the presentational field being pure perceives these beginningless modifications of the impure actor. And then he cites uh, Lord Kapilodev. Um, a verse from the uh, third canto. And he explains that um, in the Gita, he says, uh, in the Gita it is also said, living beings are bewildered because their consciousness is covered by ignorance. So this is what we see um, in the Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, this is the, the uh, section of the Paramatma Sandarbha that Guru Maharaj uh, cited um, in his purport. Um, he also cites the Tattva Sandarbha. And uh, I was looking, I think my, uh, my uh, paper copy of Paramatma Sandarbha is in, in a box still. Uh, and I thought I had, I mean, Tattva Sandarbha, I thought I had, um, I thought I had an electronic version on my iPad, but I don't. So I'm reading from another um, uh, edition of, of the uh, Tattva Sandarbha. So this is um, section uh, 32, Anucheta 32 uh, of the Tattva Sandarbha, which is what Guru Maj cites in his commentary on text 15. Vyasa saw the essential difference between the Lord and the Jiva. This difference establishes the Abhideya and Prayojana previously mentioned. Yaya maya sammohito jiva. The jiva was bewildered by that maya. Although the jiva is superior um, to, to matter made of the three gunas, since he's conscious in nature, he thinks himself to be the body made of the three gunas. The obstacle created by that conception leads to the suffering of samsara. Though actually a conscious entity, he identifies with the body because of Maya's influence. This shows that the jiva has swarupa bhuta jnana, knowledge as his swarup. Knowledge is inherent in his nature as jiva. So it's not just consciousness, not just some sort of indistinct awareness, but it's actually awareness of other things. It's actually um, knowledge. That's part of the uh, jiva's constitution. Just as fire by its nature of being a flame reveals itself and other things. So this is just exactly what we saw elsewhere. The Gita says, and again, text 15, the perfect Lord is not responsible for the sinful or pious acts of the jivas, but since their knowledge is covered by their hostility to the Lord, the living entities are bewildered by that ignorance and blame the Lord. Therefore, um, Jiva Goswami continues, the idea 
that the jiva is Brahman in a, in, a, uh, in a state of upadhis and that by destroying the upadhis there is liberation in Brahman is refuted. Maya is the agent of bewildering the jiva. So this point is also brought up. Um, th this, um, this verse also refutes the, the uh, Mayavadin's idea that if the ignorance is just destroyed, then um, the, uh, the jiva disappears because um, the jiva is covered by ignorance. And if the ignorance is destroyed, uh, their idea seems to be that the jiva disappears. It merges into the Brahman. But Guru Maharaj says, Jiva, jiva Goswami thoughtfully concludes that in the second half of this verse, Krishna explains that the individual souls are eternally individual. I mean, this is, you know, he's um, uh, highlighting, underlining um, the, the uh, knowledge that we get of the jiva from the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita. So that they're eternally individual, their knowledge being covered by the influence of ignorance. It's not that they themselves are a product of ignorance, disappearing with the removal of ignorance. When their ignorance is, is removed, they continue to exist in enlightened life, one in purpose with the absolute. So the oneness that happens uh, by the removal of ignorance is that oneness in purpose, um, uh, that oneness in, in service, just as when, um, when we're in a relationship with someone in this, in this world, uh, we become we identify with them to the extent that we, um, I guess, maybe to the extent that we have affection for them, that we love them. Um, we're, we're able to identify with them um, in purpose. We're all about their happiness. We're all about um, their um, progress, however we conceive of that, whether it's progress in this world or progress in spiritual life. Um, so uh, the oneness is oneness in purpose with the Lord. We're made of the same substance. And if we have, um, as Srila Prabhupada puts it, um, when he talks about Atmani Vedana or Atmani Kshepa as one of the six Angas of Sharanagati, if we have no interest other than the interest of the Lord, that is the oneness that, that, that we're looking for. Just as if I'm married, my main interest is the interest of my spouse. That's a big thing. I have, of course, I have my, you know, to the extent that I'm, that I remain selfish, you know, I have my own interests and, and I need to, to be able to accommodate those um, in a way that doesn't interfere with my um, serving the needs um, of, of my partner, of my spouse. So this is a really practical way of understanding um, what's being um, gotten at here. And then Jiva Goswami continues, the Lord is neutral in this matter. It is said, and here he cites a verse from the second canto, fifth chapter of the second canto. Uh, the ignorant Jivas, bewildered by Maya, who is ashamed to stand in the in sight of the Lord, boast about I and mine. This is, um, I mean, we're, be, we're bewildered by the illusory energy, but the illusory energy is, is embarrassed to be in the presence of the Lord. Krishna Surya Sama Maya, Maya Haya Andakar, Jahan Tahi, 
Krishna is like the sun and, and, and um, uh, Maya is like darkness. In the presence of the sun, there is no darkness. That darkness can't stand where the sun is. So um, she's actually, as a personality, she finds herself embarrassed um, to be in the sight of the Lord. But we, deluded by that same Maya, we boast about I and my, mama aham, mama aham, mama aham, mine and I, I and mine. That's our whole, um, that's our whole thing. If you, if you listen to a conversation between most people, um, and, and that's, most people are, you know, most of us are, we're a little small-minded, a little narrow-minded, we're Kripanas. Um, so to the extent that that's true, the conversations are going to be about I and mine. Sometimes some of us may know people who, with whom it's really can be hard to have a conversation. Because whenever we start to talk about, whenever I start to talk about my experience, that person is going to start talking about, well, I this, I that, you know, oh, you've got a migraine. Well, I've got, you know, this pain, you know, pain in your frozen shoulder, or I've got, uh, especially old people, we talk about this stuff, unfortunately. But um, uh, this is, you know, this is the, the extent of, of so many conversations, things that are, you know, things that are about me, things that are related to me, um, these are important. And we kind of see ourselves in our delusion, our ignorance. We see ourselves um, as the center of the universe. Things are important to us based on how close they are um, to us. So my stuff, my family, my town, uh, my sports team, uh, my country, uh, whatever. Uh, Th things are important to us to the extent that we're able to um, identify the, with them by having projected ourselves. This is a, a point that Guru Maharaj makes in his commentary on the verse I spoke on last night, uh, 217, that you know, we invest something of ourselves in these things and, and come to identify with them like that. Um, but if we understand that we don't have a real relationship with those things. That instead we have a, a, you know, a relationship with the absolute truth and we want to pursue that, we want to develop that relationship, then the conversations become quite different. Um, so Jiva Goswami uh, continues, since it is said that Maya is ashamed to stand before the Lord, her action of bewildering the jiva is not pleasing to the Lord. Though she knows this, not tolerating the jiva's beginningless aversion to the Lord in the form of ignorance of the Lord, she covers the jiva's sarup and makes him think of something else. And then, um, and then he ends uh, this section by citing um, uh, uh, another of the uh, instructions from the Navyogendras to King Nimi in the 11th beginning of the 11th canto. For the jiva, averse to the Lord, there will be samsara consisting of identity with the body and lack of identity with the soul because of his absorption in the material coverings of the soul arising from the Lord's maya. Therefore, the intelligent person taking the guru as his Lord and very self should fully worship the Lord with pure bhakti. Um, so this is um, this. 
you know, um, hearing these things that helps us understand um, the nature of ourself as Anu. Um, in, in, in verse uh, 15, um, verse, in verse 15, the Lord is referred to as Bipu. So it's not that we can blame the Lord um, for our problems. This is what we do, uh, just, just as, as we see in Jiva Goswami's um, uh, discussion um, of, of the nature of the Atma as not just consciousness, but also, but, but you know, someone capable of, of knowledge, someone capable of, of self-awareness and, and of awareness of other things. So, um, you know, this is um, an important thing for us to understand. Krishna is Vibhu. He is the great. He's omniscient, omnipotent, uh, omnipresent, ubiquitous. Uh, he, he is all these things. Um, and we are tiny. We're Anu. We're, we're, we're very small. And it's because of that, not because of, of, of our inferiority to the illusory energy, but because of our uh, small nature, uh, the, our, our tiny nature, that we're, um, in, that we're inclined to become overwhelmed by the material energy. We're marginal by our nature. Um, Krishna has three energies, broadly speaking, the spiritual energy, the material energy, and the marginal energy. And the marginal energy, the tatastha shakti, we're, in a sense, we're neither here or there. We're spiritual, but because we're small, we have a tendency to um, be very strongly influenced by our, our environment. So if we keep ourselves in the company, if we keep ourselves in the, um, under the care of Krishna's swarupa shakti, his internal potency, um, his pleasure-giving potency, um, then we begin, then we can act like consciousness. Then we can act like pure consciousness. Um, we can realize the uh, actual potential of the atma or the jiva. But if we keep ourselves under the influence of the diluting energy, then we're going to act like matter because that's how we're going to identify. I'm going to identify with my body. I'm an old uh, white man. White Amer I'm an old white American man with a certain education who um, had a family for a long time and you know, was a, a teacher, professor. So, um, but that's not me because in a few years, I don't know, maybe a few days, um, you know, I'll get another body. And, and, you know, and it, it may not be a man's, it may not, be, it certainly may not be American. And I won't have all those things that I identified with, the education, the, the work history, and all those things. I have a completely different sense of who I am that, that I'll develop as I grow up. Hopefully, uh, that will be in the association. I'll grow up in the association of devotees so that I'll grow up with the sense that um, I am the servant of Krishna's servants. That is, that's the perfection um, of our lives. So in his commentary, uh, Swami Triparari says, God does not create an individual soul's agency for action. It's the soul's 
lower nature arising out of ignorance and timeless karmic implication that is the true agent of action. The living beings are disposed to material action through the influence of desire arising from timeless ignorance. And we had a discussion online on um, The Harmonist. Uh, we had a couple of articles about um, Anadi karma, uh, be, uh, beginningless karma, with quite extensive discussion threads afterwards. And um, these, themse they, these themselves are amazing things um, to study. Um, we can study um, even the, uh, this, uh, the comments that um, convey some misunderstanding because it's misunderstanding that uh, many of us may have uh, because we uh, may misread or may uh, have some limited understanding of what we see in the Shastras because um, of limited experience, limited uh, uh, because of, of immaturity or just limited exposure. But the point is that we can't fault God for our suffering because he doesn't create our agency for action. That's another characteristic of the soul that, that, that is beyond just being kind of like mere indeterminate consciousness. We also have agency. We also have will. Uh, we can do things. So that makes us amazing. As Krishna says in the second chapter of the Gita, absolutely amazing. Because we, because we can be aware of things, we can develop knowledge, because we can do things. That's so different from matter. All matter can do is sit there. Uh, my iPad is, you know, it's very useful to me. As long as it's turned on, as long as I know uh, which th little things to, to touch on to make it do its iPad thing. Um, I use it mostly um, as a reader. Um, so, you know, I can, you know, I can do all, but I can do all kinds of other things with it too. I can do my little brain exercise by playing Sudoku and whatever, but practice the languages I'm studying, Russian and Spanish and, and things like that. Um, and, and it can help me with that, but only because I, the consciousness, um, am there to make it work. So, that's simply the nature of the Atma. That's just how things are. What do we say now? It is what it is nowadays we say that. Um, we're small and we, you know, we have the tendency to be influenced by our environment. And somehow or other, we may have taken a wrong turn or whatever and found ourselves under the influence of the inferior energy. So, now we have the opportunity to take shelter of the superior energy and, and uh, you know, replace that influence, you know, find better company. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we lived in, we moved from our small town that my family helped found several generations back um, on the central coast of California to the Los Angeles area. And I was growing up with, not city kids so much, but suburban, we were in the San Fernando Valley. So I was growing up with all of a sudden, instead of small town kids, I was growing up with uh, suburban kids, kids more influenced by, uh, by city life and more television channels than we had in Lompoc and whatever. And uh, my friends and I in elementary school formed a gang because it was the late 50s. 
and the juvenile delinquents were the coolest people in the movies, at least as far as we were concerned, coolest people in the movies and TV shows. Um, and the easiest way to be a juvenile delinquent, delinquent was to be in a, in a youth gang. There were no youth gangs in the San Fernando Valley in 1958 for middle-class white boys. Um, so we made our own and, uh, and we thought we were um, pretty tough. And my dad, um, when he outgrew uh, the job that he was doing at that time, um, got another job on the East Coast, Washington, DC. And I sometimes suspected that he might've deliberately taken a job somewhere else just to get me away from the friends that I'd been hanging out with for three years. Uh, because as we became teenagers, we were certainly, as long as we maintained this kind of like little gangster mentality, we were certainly headed for trouble. So my dad was always, you know, careful about, especially my mom, really careful about who, who I hung out with. That's because we have this, this tendency to be influenced by our company, by our association, by our environment. But if we put ourselves under the uh, care of the um, Swarupa Shakti, the internal energy, then we don't have that problem. Does God engages them in such action, but he does not make them act. Because God is self-satisfied, he does not direct the living entities for the fulfillment of his selfish desire. He directs in accordance with the living entities' previous actions. And um, for this, this is where um, Guru Maharaj is um, supported by um, the Vedanta Sutra. Okay, where did I have that? These are um, texts 34 and 35 uh, of the first chapter of the second part of the, the Vedanta Sutra. Um, Vyasa says, the Lord is neither prejudiced nor cruel because bodies are created according to karma. Scripture shows this. If you argue that in the beginning there was no division of karma, the answer is no, since karmas are without beginning. Um, and uh, Jiva Goswami explains, um, says the fault of inequality and cruelty is not removed by saying it is karma that puts the Jiva in different bodies. Why? Because there is no distinction of karmas. Uh, only Sat existed before creation. Karma was divided up by Brahma. Karma, karma divided up by Brahman was not divisible. Then not visible, but then he says, this is not true. So he, he um, uh, proposes this as a poor vipakshin, or maybe this is just a samshaya doubt that he's, he's dealing with. This is not true, why? Because we accept that karma and the jivas are without beginning like the Lord. There's no fault because later karmas proceed according to previous karmas. And then he cites the Bhavishya Purana. Vishnu will make jivas experience the effects of piety or sin, enjoyment and suffering, according to previous karma. Because karmas are without beginning, there is no consistency. So, uh, Guru Maharaj says, he directs in accordance with the living entity's previous actions. He does this through the power of the illusory energy. It's indirect. He's removed from it. In doing so, he acquires no sin or virtue as do the living entities. And then he turns to something that we'll see in um, 
the next sutra of the Vedanta Sutra, the 36th sutra. Um, he says, as um, oh, actually, I, before I do that, I want to show how Srila Prabhupada makes the same point in his purport to text 15. He says, therefore, the embodied soul by his immemorial desire to avoid Krishna consciousness causes his own bewilderment. So here he's explaining how it is that Krishna, how he, he's, he's explaining Krishna's assertion that he doesn't have anything to do with our suffering enjoyment. He doesn't make us act piously. He doesn't make us act impiously. He doesn't cause us to suffer. He's not, he's aloof from this. It's not his business. So Prabhupada says, the embodied soul by his immemorial desire to avoid Krishna consciousness causes his own bewilderment. So who's there to blame? If, if, if we have to look for fault, it's in ourselves because it's in the nature of ourselves to be small, to fall under the, as, as Anu, uh, um, Anu Jivas, to fall under the influence of uh, whatever environment we, we find ourselves in. So although he is constitutionally eternal, blissful, and cognizant due to the littleness of his existence, he forgets his constitutional position of service to the Lord and is thus entrapped by nations. And under the spell of ignorance, the living entity claims that the Lord is responsible for his conditional existence. And then he, uh, he cites the Vedanta Sutra, Vaishamya Nagrne, he says, the Lord neither hates nor likes anyone, although he appears to. So in, in, the, um, in the next uh, sutra, Sutra 36 of the Vedanta Sutra, um, it said, it is suitable that the Lord favors his devotees. This is seen in scripture. Um, the Lord favors his devotee because the Lord is endowed with all qualities in 37. So um, uh, this, uh, this apparent partiality to the devotees is explained um, throughout the Bhagavatam. But this is actually a natural thing. This is not a fault on the Lord's part. It's actually his greatest ornament. So he explains this uh, in the last paragraph of his commentary, uh, Tripararimarsh explains this in his, uh, the last paragraph of his commentary on text 15. As for God's apparent partiality toward his devotees, this is a spiritual partiality. Rather than a fault, it is God's most beautiful ornament. He's perceived as being materially parsible, par partial by those whose knowledge is covered by ignorance. They do not understand that his chastisement is also a form of grace. It's also a form of mercy. Krishna's apparent partiality is the special grace he extends to his devotees. It's not arbitrary. Were he not the lover of those who love him, all of his other qualities would not be sufficient to evoke devotion and love. So just as the Vedanta Sutra says, um, this is because he's endowed with all qualities. Were he not the lover of those who love him, all of his other qualities would not be sufficient to evoke devotion or love. Moreover, it is the impartiality of the individual soul to the dualities of this world that serves as, his pass as the passport for leaving it. But the spiritual partiality or individual preference that serves 
as his visa to the world of Krishna's play. And here he refers directly in his footnote to um, text 36 of the second part of the Vedanta Sutras. So how is it um, that Krishna can say he doesn't have anything to do um, with our uh, good or evil deeds, with our enjoyment or suffering? He's aloof. And these things um, come about simply because of the nature of the soul. We are anadi. Um, and uh, Krishna is anadi. And karma, activity, is also anadi. But karma as material activity um, is not eternal. There are five um, topics discussed in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, Bhagavan, the atma or jiva, uh, nature, time, and karma. And of those five, um, they're all eternal except for karma. Oh, but karma's anadi, it's beginningless. How is it not eternal? Because it does end. It ends when we, as we engage in bhakti. As we engage in bhakti, karma um, is destroyed. Uh, Krishna, uh, Lord Chaitanya tells Sanatana Goswami in uh, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, the fourth chapter of uh, Antilila, when he has discerned that Sanatana is so distressed by these um, weeping sores that he has all over his body because of uh, having uh, taken some contaminated water on his travel from Vrindavan to, uh, uh, to Puri. Um, so he uh, understands that Sanatana Goswami is so distressed by these things, but that they'll get in the way of his service that he's decided to destroy that body. So he goes to him and he tells him, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. He says, at the time of initiation, as the devotee engages in self-surrender, the Lord accepts that devotee's body as being as good as his own. And two out of the next three, in two of the out of the next three verses, Lord Chaitanya refers to that devotee's body as Chidanandamoy, constituted of spiritual substance. Um, and so how is it that so? Oh, so is this the, the, the devotee's spiritual body? No, it's our spiritualized body, our sadhaka deva. And so by in, engaging in the process of sadhana bhakti, beginning with hearing and chanting, we're able to destroy, we're able to actually clear away the ignorance. This is the first benediction, the first benefit that we find in Sri Krishna Sankirtan, Sri Krishna Nam Sankirtan. Cheto darpana margin, that all the dust um, on the mirror of the self that, um, that obscures um, our perception of, of our real nature, that becomes progressively clear as we engage in chanting um, the holy names, especially in the, in the company uh, of other devotees. And um, I like to point this out maybe too often for some people's taste, but I think it's something that we need to bear in mind. Uh, when we're looking for sadhu sangha, when we're looking for the association of devotees, Rupa Goswami describes it, describes three different aspects that we need to consider when we're looking for association. Um, Sajati asaye, snigde, and svatovade. Uh, the line um, at the end, uh, toward the end of the uh, second chapter, 
of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where uh, Jiva Go, where Rupa Goswami discusses the again these five um, angas of sadhana bhakti that are particularly powerful, particular and therefore particularly important. When he discusses sadhu sangha, he says simply this. Uh, when we're looking for sadhu sangha, we're looking for three things. Sajatiyashe, uh, people who share the same uh, spiritual aspirations. Uh, and as we become uh, more advanced, uh, the nature uh, of those spiritual aspirations becomes uh, more clearly in focus and, and more details uh, become important. Sajati Asya Snigte, affectionately disposed toward us. Um, that seems natural. Why would we want to associate with devotees who aren't affectionate, who don't want to have anything to do with us? Just in, as, as a friend of mine uh, uh, from, who's from Brazil, English is his second language, actually, which he just learned in the last couple, three years. Uh, that don't make no sense, which is actually in, in most other languages, um, that double negative serves to emphasize. It's just the way it's said, like in Spanish, and I think believe Portuguese as well. That's just how you say it, it doesn't make any sense. You say, you know, I can't remember the, the verbs now, but it, it doesn't make no sense is how you say it in those languages, uh, which makes perfect sense to me. And then, uh, Vada has, uh, means superior, better. Um, so we're looking for company, the company of those who share our spiritual aspirations, who are affectionately disposed toward us, and ho who are at least a little more advanced than we are. So they have something to share with us out of their affectionate nature. Uh, we partake of their bhakti. Bhaktiya sanjataye bhaktiya. Bhakti comes from bhakti. Bhakti is caused by bhakti. We get bhakti from the hearts of the bhaktas with, with whom we associate, um, especially those who um, are uh, advanced. Um, and and that's, that's, just how, uh, that's just how things um, are, the nature um, of the thing. So here Krishna is saying that when it, when it, you know, it's our ignorance that um, lends us to being covered by um, delusion that is the cause uh, of our um, suffering and enjoyment. So if, there's, if we're looking for someone to blame, then we needn't look no further than ourselves. We could say, well, that's because that's just the nature of the self, I'm not blameless. Fine, don't blame God. That's the main thing. But we want to, we want to become, um, under the influence of his, that loving energy that, um, that uh, Guru Maharaj refers to here. Um, that this, you know, if were he not a lover of those who love him, then all his other qualities wouldn't be sufficient to evoke devotion and love. They're just fear. They would, you know, if he weren't loving, they would just evoke fear. Um, or uh, loathing, maybe even, um, because you know, we're, we're blaming him um, for, for our suffering. Um, but instead, we want to put ourselves under the influence of that loving energy. 
uh, and that will uh, give us uh, entry into Krishna's um, the world, as uh, Guru Maharaj puts it here, uh, to the spiritual world of Krishna's play. Oh, we're at the bottom of the hour, so I'm going to stop and, and um, see if there's any discussion. Fortunately, we're an intimate group, and uh, so we can discuss intimately. Oh, Krishna Kumari has a oh. Thank you. Just a note. Thank you. Was, yeah, I'm sorry. I have to go at 9:30 at my time. So, but it was a really wonderful class. Really good points. Um, good reminders. You know, just um, I like the way you put it all together. So, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That's very kind of you and, and encouraging of you to say yeah. so. <laughs> thank you. Interesting. The uh, Bhagavad Gita class I gave last night. I. I have other devotees engaged in um, younger devotees, actually uninitiated devotees engaged in giving Bhagavad Gita classes. And in, in that way, I've actually kind of revived the evening program at, um, at our center here in Honolulu. But sometimes I have to cover for them. I told them I'm your backup, but you know, for some reason you can't get the class. So yesterday, the devotee who was scheduled to give class has a cold. Um, or flu or something, and he wasn't able to come. So I ended up giving class, and there wasn't anyone else there because a couple of the other devotees who would ha have attended the class also, and some devotees are busy um, even into the evening, are not used to having an evening program again. And um, so no one was there. And I thought, okay, what do I do? So I sat down in the asana, I chanted a little Jairada Madhava, a little Hare Krishna thinking maybe someone would come. No one did. And I thought, well, what do I do? Well, I'm not alone. I could say I'm in the room all by myself, but actually Lord Chaitanya, Lord Nityananda, Advaita Srivas, Dadadhar, they were there. Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda were there as Gaur Nitai, Lord Jagannath and Baladev and Subhadra were there, Shiva Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati were there. So I just started speaking about that verse for their pleasure. And about halfway through my talk, one devotee, who's fairly reliable, but doesn't always show up on time, did come. And, uh, and that made it uh, even sweeter. So sometimes, you know, we give, you know, I was thinking, well, if I were giving a Zoom class, I, sometimes I might have to give it just by myself. You know, I have to, yeah. you know, and, and then, you know, I guess make it available for other people later. As just as we do with the, the, the live stream of this, it's left on Facebook so the devotees can come back and find it later. And I guess uh, on our YouTube channel as well, I'm not sure. So- um, Very nice, thank you, very nice. Anyway, um, I, now I had a, a little more of an audience and, and uh, I was inspired by you all's presence. Thank you so much, Hare Krishna. Anything else? Okay, so uh, over the next week, we will, I mean, next, next Tuesday, we will move um, from the ignorance um, all the way to the uh, peace former, formula that Srila Prabhupada, um, as Srila Prabhupada has labeled uh, the last verse um, in, the, in, in the fifth chapter. Um, so I'll see you all then. And uh, until then, we keep chanting. Hare Krishna. That's how we roll. Thank you so much. Sripad Bhakti Abhay Ashram Maharaj Ki Jai. Or Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. Hare Krishna.